When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menes. I'm joined by Paul Dennett. It's the final wrap of our Border Gavaskar Trophy coverage. It's the fifth day of the fourth test. And the big news today is India and Australia will be playing in the World Test Championship final. Uh, Paul, on a day where this test series sort of petered out, there was still quite a bit of buzz in the cricket world. Yeah, the match in um, New Zealand was amazing, the conclusion to that. I think we, we can touch on that. That was uh, very different to the conclusion of the game in Ahmedabad. You were right, though. Yesterday, I was getting a bit frantic and um, predicting all manner of collapses and getting really upset about something that ended up not happening. As you said, Australia cruised to a draw. And a 2-1 series loss is obviously disappointing. But I think from... From the 2-0 situation that Australia was in, um, to win the third test and to kind of have this test a bit of a stalemate, I, I don't think Australia could have done much better in the second half of the tour. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if yeah, if you break it down into two two test series, you know, India won the first one 2-0 and we won the second one 1-0. So. We've got the Border Gavaskar Trophy, have we? <laughs> well, I don't know if, <laughs> even if you can spin it that way because it's still probably keep it. Um 
But, yes, just touching on the World Test Championship final, we'll get into today's play. But uh, New Zealand beat Sri Lanka by two wickets off the final ball of the Test match. So New Zealand's last two Test matches have gone down to the last ball. And there were crazy scenes as uh, New Zealand needed one for the win. Kane Williamson was on strike. And... um, the Sri Lankan bowler bowled a bouncer. It went through to the keeper and they ran a bye and the keeper tried to hit the, the stumps at the strikes end, missed. The bowler picked it up and threw at the non-striker's end and hit the stumps and Williamson dived basically just at the time the Sri Lankan bowler threw the ball and it was a neck and neck thing. I went wild in my living room and on the replays it showed Williamson was just in. So New Zealand won the test match and India go through to the World Test Championship final. Just quite incredible. Yes, um, good description of that. And I think the other thing is that um, had it actually hit the stumps at the striker's end, I think... um, Wagner probably would have been run out as well. And it probably could have been called a wide. I think that Williamson was agitating for the for the wide call, which is probably a bit of karma for what happened to England um, a week ago. But we almost had the very unusual spectacle of a match in which the scores finished level, but it's a tie, it's a draw rather than a tie because not all of the wickets were um, were out. Little fun fact for everyone, back in the dim, distant past, they used to call those games ties, even though they were draws. Never that never happened in Test cricket, but a few first-class games finished in faux ties in that way. Yeah, great Test match. And a lot of people throw out the sort of standard, oh, there's nothing better than Test cricket. But it is true. I mean, there's nothing better than cricket. It is, you know, far and away the best sport on the planet Earth. But when you, you know, get wrapped up in a five-day test match and it ends like that, there there is something so theatrical about it. There's something so dramatic. There's something so, I guess, transfixing about, um, you know, all that hard work coming down to the last afternoon. Um, You know, it was just a, a a great game. And, you know, cricket is a, the best game. And it makes the events of Ahmedabad even more di- even more disappointing because not only do we have a great game, as you said, here, um, the previous game that uh, England and New Zealand played was a great game. And the first three test matches of the Border Gavaskar Trophy were un- un- unmissable. They were some of the most captivating sport that you could possibly get. So when you see it at its highs, it is disappointing that this pitch uh, kind of neutered the contest. And as you said, the, the, the sort of, I don't know what the word you use, but it sort of fizzled out into, into nothingness. Um, a series that for three quarters of it was crackling along, superb entertainment deserved a better finish than it got. Yeah, one of our listeners, Martin Lawrence, wrote, Hi, Paul and Andrew. To give you an idea of how boring this India v Australia game is, I've barely watched the last day. Um, uh, look, I'm not so harsh on this test match. I enjoyed seeing some really good batting and we, we got um, to see, you know, four fantastic centuries, uh, coming of age moments for Green and Gill. Uh, so I think there was a lot to like about this test match. Uh, I, I think, though, as we discussed, Reece, you know, in the last ma- uh podcast somewhere in be- in between is probably ideal i thought the first three test matches were, were too extreme so um I, i'm not so critical of this pitch and uh, i mean i was nervous this morning when australia went out to bat i thought you know we still could collapse here so you know the game was still alive in the fifth day um so yeah i didn't i didn't think it was as bad as maybe you're saying 
Well, I, I want to make a point about the pitch, but maybe I can do it after we do the summary of the, of the day. Because I want to make a, a balanced point uh, saying lots of the things that I liked about this series and the way that India hosted it. But just on this pitch, and I say this as a cricket fan and not as um, a partisan Australian, I think it was one of the worst pitches I've ever seen. I I accept that you enjoyed some of it because I can see you, you and I are quite similar and we are a bit mad. I reckon anyone other than you who says they enjoyed some of it, I think they're lying. Well, one of the worst pitches ever. Okay, well, we'll get to it. Let's wrap up the final day. So Australia finished two for 175. They batted... Um, they batted total 78.1 overs, so just over 70 overs today. Uh, Matt Kuhneman was the first player out. Um, LBW did Ashwin. Had he reviewed it, it would have been overturned. So very live, strange. Live, I didn't think it was out. I thought live, that's umpire's call at best. Two things on that. Sorry to just jump in, but two things on no. that. One, why don't the Australians get better at this? I know he's a lower order player and you've got a, there's some level of hierarchy as to whether the reviews are going to be called for or not. But I think they need to practice it to the point where they where they know this a bit more. He must have realised that that was heading down the leg side or at least umpire's call at best. And two, I don't think we should tolerate this any longer as cricket fans. That <laughs> DRS has been... No, I'm, I'm serious. DRS has been fantastic and I think it has improved the, the standard of cricket immensely. I think it's now we're at the point where it's no longer acceptable for decisions to be wrong. We have the technology. We have to work out the next level so that these decisions are right. It's, it's, it's a bit ridiculous that we have all of this technology that gives us the answer almost instantaneously and we're still having to tolerate um, incorrect decisions. I think there's a solution that needs to be found and I've said it before what it is. And so uh, I think that there, there will be a change. It might take a few years, but I think a change is coming. Yes, I mean, I'm keen for robot umpires. I think that's the, the sort of the, the actual aim of all this and we can stuff towels, you know, not make it scientific out the window completely. Uh, but just just on, um, you know, Australia's use of the DRS, I do think Australia should look at getting a specialist DRS coach because, boy, they are awful at it. I mean, I reckon you're right, though, that there was some theory that because he was a tailender, don't burn it and uh, just just craziness well it's because if you know the laws of the game well enough to be a good judge you'll be um you just won't be any good at cricket that's the problem there's <laughs> we've said it before there's the venn diagram like to to really know the laws intimately so that you're going to say straight away yep that's hit him outside the line he's playing a shot therefore i am not going to agitate for this to be reviewed that, they don't think that way. They're, they're, that, that doesn't work that way. So I, I do think, in all seriousness, that they need to spend some time um, practising, you know, even just watching on the monitor, as I said before, um, saying to a group of the bowlers, showing a replay of a ball, is that worthy of review? And if anyone says yes, they should say no. Clearly, that pitched outside leg stump, and they go, "Oh, yeah, I forgot about that rule." Um, and, and, and I think that there's I mean, that sounds. I'm probably over-egging it a little bit there, but I do think there is something to that where the Australian players don't know the laws uh, as intimately as they probably should. 
I don't know about the laws, but I just think they're bloody awful at reviews. So, um, yeah, I think they need a specialist DRS coach. Um, one Paul Dennett's eminently qualified. So Kuhneman's out. And then Usman Khawaja doesn't come out to bat. So, it, you know, there was reports before the game that he was in doubt if he would bat. And we didn't see him come out uh, when uh, Kuhneman went back. So Labashain came out. And then... Um, they put on a nice partnership, Head and Labashain. They put on 139. Head made a beautiful 90. He was bowled by Aksar Patel trying to drive through the covers and the ball spun between bat and pad. And he was dismissed for his third score of the 90s, third score in the 90s in Test cricket. So um, a nice innings from Head. He really has made the selectors look like absolute pork chops for leaving him out of the first Test. Yeah, it was a really nice innings. Um, I was concerned early on that he and Kuhneman and then Labashain were going a bit slowly, but he did accelerate nicely, uh, a little bit like they did in a smaller version in the in the runs chase in the third test. And it was a pretty good ball that got him out. Uh, so, yeah, he batted really well. Yeah, that kind of spun out of the rough, that ball from Patel. Um, uh, when I think of, you know, players that get out in the 90s, a lot of test cricket, I think of let me, two let, people, let me guess, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Right. You've got two in your mind. Yes. Um, one of them's not Clem Hill, although it should have been, but I'll forgive you for that. <laughs> the two that are in your mind not are Michael Slater, and, Michael Slater and Steve Waugh. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> I mean, those two have a – I mean, they – well, I think they've got the record for most scores in the 90s. So the way Head's going, he's got three already. He's, he's doing well to catch them. Another player, Greg Blewett, another South Australian, he was um, he had a few scores in the 90s for his short test career. I'll tell you who didn't. In his um, 80 innings in test cricket, Don Brabin reached 90 29 times, and he reached 129 times. Well, there you go. Uh, so uh, Head was out for 90. Labashain was 63 not out. His first half century of the series, 213 balls. It was pure uh batting out for the draw. Steve Smith, 10 not out of 59 balls, definitely helping get his average up above. Well, it hasn't gone up above 60 yet, but it certainly will help. And you know, we all know Paul needs that to just feel a sense of zen about the Correct. world. Correct. Um, and then the game was called off. Um, pretty, the two captains came together. I, I have to say, I mean, Smith was dropped uh, by Barrett again off Patel. If Barrett's the second best keeper in India, I'm a monkey's uncle. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a difficult ish sort of catch, but uh, yeah, I, I think he should have um, probably done a little bit better. But uh, you know my thoughts on keepers. I don't want to. I don't want to get into no, it now. Yeah. But show me the numbers, Menes. Show me the numbers. Okay, uh, but I think you sort of see my point about him just in isolation of your theory. Um, so the match was a, a drawing. India win the series 2-1, retain the Border Gavaskar Trophy. Congratulations uh, to India. Congratulations to all the Indian fans that um, love their team so much and have supported them throughout the series. They got the win against probably the greatest cricket nation in history. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> looking back at this um, test match, obviously Green and Kawaja, the standouts from an Australian performance, and then Coley and Gill from an Indian perspective. I'd add Ashwin's performance in the first innings to that as well, but yes, definitely. Yep. That's true. His, his uh, first innings effort 
does look very good on that pitch. I mean, I was really – when Lyon and Murphy batted together and put on that partnership at the end of the Australian innings, that's when I started to tweak to the fact that this pitch was really flattening out. And unfortunately, that's what we got. I have to say <laughs> – I'm going to echo something you said, whether it was last test match, but unfortunately there was a few times when I found myself with the commentary on during this test match. And I have to say the commentary was pretty awful throughout this series. What I heard, it never felt completely not honest is maybe not the word, but I don't know. Just just the commentary I thought was a pretty poor standard. I've heard worse. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I muted a lot of it. And, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Hayden or Mitchell Johnson as commentators. I think that Mitchell Johnson was, to be fair to him, fairly inoffensive. Um, he did come up with a lot of cliches and stated the obvious quite a lot, but he did it in a fairly um, benign sort of way. Hayden, to me, I think he'd be a nice guy to have as your friend. Fantastic batter. I think he'd be a good mentor. I just after a while he just he just wears thin like he's crazy sort of um uh, I don't know the 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 flowery language that he uses and stuff is just a bit weird after a while and um anyway um but I didn't love the commentary I must say but it wasn't terrible I just never felt like they could really call it the way they saw it that you know there's always this implicit um feeling that the you know you have to really sort of toe the company line on the coverage, which just goes against everything I sort of like about good cricket commentary. No, oh, well, that's true. I mean, that's, that's a, um, you know, a fair criticism of, of what's been in the case for, for India for, you know, for, for quite some time. I think, um, um, was it Ian Chappell a few years ago who who basically made it public that they suddenly were expecting him to sign a thing that say that said he wouldn't criticise certain things and he said I'm not going to do it and he he told the world about it and it's a known thing that the in order to commentate over there you have to sign away your ability to be as brutally honest as you might want to be and I don't think it's ever going to happen but one of the great days of my life will be if I get to sign one of those contracts and I will yeah. say whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's true, and I'm not criticising the commentators no. for to doing that because, as you say, if, if we were put in the same position, we'd certainly tow the company line. Oh, it was a great pitch. Oh, Nagpur, best test pitch ever. Indoor, you should play every pitch on – every test on a pitch like that. What are you talking about, Paul? Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, here's it, my rant. You ready for yes. my rant? Yep. Firstly, um, I said of all the first three pitches that, yes, that they were a little bit overcooked and too much in favour of the bowlers. But I said each time, give me one of those any time ahead of a 500 plays 500 ball draw. And I absolutely mean that. Uh, and I said, echo what I said at the start of this podcast. The first three test matches were fantastic viewing spectacles. I agree with you that we didn't get to see the very best of the batting um, because the pitches were so bowler-friendly. But that aside, I still couldn't take my eyes off it. This fourth test, I found an absolute chore uh, to watch. I still managed to watch um, every ball, but I, I found it very, very difficult to do so. And I would say that if the third test pitch got rated um, poor, then I don't know if there is anything below poor, but this test batch pitch should be related, should be rated worse. It's, it's wrong for the the indoor pitch to be rated 
as a worse pitch than this one because I can tell you what, if you took uh, any neutral person who's kind of half interested in cricket and made them watch the indoor game and then watch this game, 100% of them would have said that this game not only was boring, they'd say that they, they would not understand how this could actually be a sport. No one in their right mind would want to watch this. The first three games show that test cricket is the best sport in the world. The fourth game, if that's the standard of test cricket that we expect, it's not worth saving. Let it go. I'm all for all just bloody um, IPL and um, franchise cricket. It's rubbish. Um, and as I said, I believe you enjoyed it because I think you're a bit strange like I am. But I reckon most people who said that they enjoyed it are just saying they're, they're enjoying saying that they liked attritional cricket. But deep down, I don't think they really did enjoy it. And what it would have been had the groundsman for this pitch been told, just produce the best pitch that you can based on the prevailing local conditions, not... You know, I, I, you know, I don't know what the conversation was, but it's along the lines of, well, we got punished for producing a pitch that was a bit too spicy in the third test. Let's go completely the other way. Let's produce a pitch that is flat and low. And if, it, if it's a draw, well, we'll win the Series 2-1. We're going to qualify for the World Test Championship final almost certainly anyway. That's the way we should go about it. Imagine if instead of that they produced what we have been craving, and that is something, as you said, halfway between the pitches of the first couple of tests and the and, and this pitch. And we had a five-day pitch that um, spun more and more as the game went on, wore down and became all the spectacle of the first few games, but gave the batters a bit of a chance. That would have been absolutely fantastic. And we might be talking about this game just like they're talking about the game in, in Christchurch, uh, but with a, a, a vastly bigger viewing audience. And if test cricket is to survive, the notion that the home team can just prepare whatever they want in order to best suit themselves has to go out the window. Australia do lots of things wrong as, in, as in cricket, and we bag them every time. But the one thing that they consistently do is they allow the ground staff to prepare the best pitch for the conditions. They don't always get it right. Um, the Gabba pitch was was no good earlier this year. The MCG pitch of a few years ago was a, was a disaster. We've often been um, critical of the SCG pitches. But the mindset is to try to produce the best pitch they can for the conditions. That's what Test Cricket deserves. It doesn't deserve this. This was farcical. And I say that without any reference to the score. India were far too good. They deserve to win the Border Gavaskar Trophy. They are a better side than Australia in Indian conditions. Will, are they a better side than Australia in neutral conditions? I'm really looking forward to the Oval Test um, to find out. And I said earlier on in the series, I'd be quite happy for the Border Gavaskar Trophy to go on every week of the year. It is that good, but not on a pitch like this. And um, hopefully that's a balanced viewpoint that people can see is not um, partisan and biased. Uh, it's what Test cricket needs to survive. Much, much better pitches than this this one that we saw. Mm. Interesting. I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. The pitches, groundsmen should just be left to prepare the best pitch for the conditions. But I also don't think test cricket needs to – I think I think there's room in test cricket for flattish pitches that allow batting to flourish. But I agree with you. I mean, you just can't have test matches like this. And, and you sort of look at the test matches in Pakistan last year, Australia played. You know, they were pretty turgid as well at times. Yeah, this it's was not bad great for cricket. What? Yeah, this was as bad as them. It's, it's not even as though it allowed batting to flourish. Um, at least if, the, if they'd been going along at five and over, um, that would have been at least something. But it's, it's that awful sort of 
pitch where the batters can't really get too much fluency into their shots and there's nothing in it for the bowlers. It's like playing tennis with a, a half-flat ball or playing well, soccer on a yeah, waterlogged get, pitch all the time. It's just not, I, I get it's it, not ideal. Do, but do you get why, say, Indian fans might hear us Aussies and think, boy, you guys, all you do is whinge about the frigging pitches. In the first three, you know, they're spinning too, too much and there were seven session, sessions of cricket across the three – in the three tests. And – uh, now there's a bit of a flat pitch and you're complaining about that. I mean, do you think we come across as like whinging Aussies? Yeah, I'm sure some of them will think that. But um, we criticise the Australian pitchers just as much. And I don't know, it's like a bank robber saying, you know, over the last year I've robbed three banks. And in this court case, the judge, that's all you seem to want to talk about. What about all the other things I did? Well, no, of course we're going to talk about um, the reason we're talking about the, th- the fact that the first three pitches were too spicy and the last one was too flat is because that's exactly what was the case. Um, and I gave lots of compliments to the first three pitches, as I've done in this um, podcast already, saying that it was it produced fantastically attractive cricket and I would rather that than a really slow and low pitch. And that's what we got in this last test match. Uh, it's... W- w- we're doing. I would be saying this if Australia had won the series four um, nil. We're doing this uh, uh, with cricket's best interest at heart, not for pretty small-minded patriotic reasons. Which um, uh, you know, when you're getting serious about something, there's no there's no time for that. So hopefully, any Indian fans listening will realise that we're we're not doing it too simply to, to criticise India. As I said, um, there's so many wonderful things about this this rivalry and this series. I just think it was a very disappointing end to it on this pitch. I mean, you can make a case that, that from you know, we got four pitches and they were four bad pitches. I mean, the ground staff never got it right throughout the whole series, and and that's not great. You know, it's not great. It's not a great record. No, and I suppose if we'd got what we'd wanted, and that is four pitches that were kind of halfway between um, the th- the first three and this one, and maybe a little bit more life as well, we might have had the quality of side of the cricketers on offer. We might have had four pit test matches that lasted four or five days each, kept us on the edge of our seat and were, were fantastic, as opposed to three test matches that lasted more like three days each, which were fantastic, and one, you know, utterly uh, turgid draw that was, was very, very forgettable. Um, so, and, I, and I'm sure India still would have won. Uh, they're, they're a better side. So uh, that's, that's what we should have got. And I think that... Uh, India, as the world leader in cricket and the, the you know the powerhouse of cricket, they they should do that. They should take the lead and um, and do that next time and have the confidence in their own side that they don't need to do these things to the pitches in order to win because they're you know they're such a fantastic side. I mean, there's some speculation that Rohit Sharma's a little bit more prone to interfere with the way pitches are prepared than his predecessor Virat Kohli was. I don't know if there's any substance to that, but this will catch up with him, that's for sure, because we've already seen Australia weren't that far away in some of these matches when they did prepare the pitches the way they wanted. So it's not a good, it's not a good policy to think you can sort of doctor the pitches to favour the home side. Well, it'll catch up with them in the sense that it will catch up with all of us, that if if the big cricketing nations don't get together to say, let's protect the future of Test cricket, and this is just one of those components, then it will will continue to die away. Um, and that's what really gets me, that we have, 
neutral umpires. Now, I know that since COVID, we've now got one home umpire back again, and I'm fine with that because effectively DRS most of the time uh, takes takes anything out of it. There, there should be um, neutrality. Takes the cheating out to... of it. Sorry? It takes the cheating out of it from the home umpire. Well, no, I'm just saying it, I'm it, joking, it should, I'm it, it should um, we should have neutral pitch curators. Well, they don't have to be from other countries, but there should be sort of greater ICC oversight um, and they should be measuring in advance the, the, the levels that are there and say, no, no, this is unacceptable, do this, and um, the way we go. And the, the Rohit Sharma and the home board should be totally taken out of the equation. Um, and same same with England, same with all the other countries, that they, they shouldn't have a say in it. You get the home ground advantage by the fact that you're playing in the conditions that you are familiar with and that you have um, grown up with, and that is a massive advantage. And that's always that's all Australia's had all these years, and they've done, they've done really well with it. Yeah. Well, that, that was an epic rant, Paul. Um, so, it, it, look, we should wrap up our daily wraps. Uh, a couple of things. There's some questions here. We'll get to them. Just a reminder, actually, that uh, we're recording a regular weekly show uh, Tuesday night, Australian time. Jaleesa Apps is due to join us. Definitely will be Paul and I. So we're going to wrap up the whole week's cricket news. So stay tuned for that full episode. We'll also preview the One Day International series that's going to start at the end of this week, uh, three one days between India and Australia. We've got a question here from Robin. Do you think Aksar Patel will bat higher up in the order in the future from now on? Are you also surprised with how little wickets he took in the series? Well, I mean, I think he could bat ahead of Jadeja, and I'm not surprised with the wickets because I think, you know, Jadeja and Ashwin took them all. Um, I mean, his batting was was absolutely astonishing um, in the in the series. He's got a, a first class average of thirty five and a test average now of um, of thirty six from just twelve matches. So I, I I don't think he's a better batter than Jadeja overall. If you look at the overall numbers, Jadeja's a better, but um, certainly the, on the on the form that he showed in this series, um, you you pick him for his batting. Um, it is difficult to get a lot of wickets when you've got. Ashwin and Jadeja are, I think, two of the, the the greatest bowlers in Indian conditions of all time. Maybe the two greatest bowlers um, in Indian conditions of all time. But he probably was a little bit disappointing with his bowling, I think. All right, Varun. I agree with you guys, but, but the pitches were produced by taking in mind that India will be missing their two big, big match winners, Pant and Bumrah. Well, they certainly missed, missed Pant. I thought Barrett was way below what Pant would have offered. And, and Boomer, well, I mean, we all know what a great bowler he is. I wonder, Paul, if he'll be fit for the World Test Championship final because uh, on a June morning in at the Oval, he could be deadly. Oh, absolutely. I hope he is. Um, I hope he is fit for it. But, yeah, Varun, that's the point that I'm saying that shouldn't be part of the equation. It should just be... Um, in the same way that you wouldn't say, well, we had to, um, we had to say to didn't men on. Um, no, I won't use a number. I'm not. I'm not meaning the US cheat because he wasn't used. Uh, you wouldn't say we're going to get an umpire to cheat because we're missing two of our best players. So you wouldn't. Um, you shouldn't say we're going to have to prepare pitches in order to um, take into account that our two best players are missing. I understand that as far as the rest of the world is concerned, that's a legitimate tactic, and that's what you do with home uh, home tests. But I think it's at the expense of the um, of the spectacle, and I think that, that it should be changed. Well, Paul, I think we should wrap up our coverage of the Border Gavaskar series, or at least our daily wraps. I have to say, 
I've had a lot of fun um, talking about each day's play. It's, we're going to sort of go into the details of the series tomorrow, but it's been entertaining. Congratulations to India. We've seen, you know, a lot of terrific cricket in there. And thanks to everybody that's watched and left comments on the YouTube videos or sent us messages. Uh, we've had a lot of support. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, and just been a, been a good test series. Yeah, fantastic. The first three tests are three of the best tests I've ever seen. Um, and this last test was a, was a bit disappointing, but overall, fantastic. And India, well-deserved. Um, congratulations, deserving winners. So that's it from Ahmedabad. The fourth test of the series ends in a draw. Sharma and Smith, have sh- uh, they shook hands and went off early. And yes, uh, India claimed the series 2-1. And the two teams will meet at the Oval on June 7th. Bit of a real sort of playoff feel in that game to who will win the World Test Championship. So we'll be back tomorrow with Jaleesa for a full Cricket Unfiltered. Thanks for watching and listening. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.